Light the Fight Podcast. David Kozlowski here with me. Heidi Swap, I'm on the couch. I'm sitting on the couch today. On the couch of shame or joy, depending on, on how well uh, you're feeling that day. You know, uh, I actually feel good today. I feel good. Well, you got a little tan, so that should help. It's part. Of, it's partially fake tan. Well, however you get it, a win's a win. That's, that's My wife right. does fake tanner all the time. <laughs> well, it's safer had, on your skin, apparently. I had to go. I had a TV segment today, and so I feel like I can face everything better with a tan. Well, of course. So sometimes you just have to. That it's just a, a really good bit tan of, prevents you. Well, not prevents you. It just allows you to not have to work out. <laughs> it's true. It's helping, and so I I wore Spanx and. A self tanner and I and it was golden. You're golden. Yeah, You're golden. <laughs> Literally. Well, welcome to another episode of a uh, Light the Fight podcast. Um, as always, Heidi and I just start talking, and um, we're about to do that right now and see if it sparks any of your interest. Uh, a lot of stuff has been going on in um, our own personal lives, but more importantly, the lives of people that come to us and say, "Hey, I got this friend. They're going through a hard time," <laughs> and then we're like, "Oh, really? Is that friend you?" Yeah, it's, it's me or it's my child. And so since we come across a lot of these, um, you know, we're left sometimes with great opportunities to help our own personal friends in our life. Um, for me, I get to do this for my family members, friends, and also for, you know, my clients that I help out. And Heidi, you know, besides the client part, there's lots of family and, and friends that, especially since the podcast has started, is come to you and open up to you and, you know, shared some things they got going on. It is even shared... We've had a number of wins that we're not going to talk about in today's episode, but there's a number of people that come up to us and or came up to you and said, hey, you know, I listened to the podcast. I tried that thing and it's really working out. And to talk about how that made you feel just to have someone report to you that A, it made sense, B, they did it and C, it actually turned out even better than they'd hoped. Well, here's what I'm learning is that other people are better students than I am. They're learning faster. <laughs> So I, well, in their defense, they do have you as the guinea pig. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, don't do what Heidi did that one time. I mean, it, it is true. I'm like, wait, so you just, you just tried it and it worked? You actually believed us? You didn't have to fail another five times before you tried? Because you framed it so well, Heidi. I, well, you're, just, I guess you're so. so good at packaging and framing <laughs> things for them. No, I, um, it, it's interesting because I, I feel like I'm hearing from a lot of people that are sharing struggles and concerns and then hearing from people who are are learning so much and gaining so much and implementing it and and having that desired response and um as as i am in in my life as well as i'm applying these things that i'm learning to my relationships and um miraculously I had a couple of good opportunities to not blow up this weekend and um, I had to have some help from my husband <laughs> who called him lifeline you know that dude is like if I'm mad he is calm and and maybe it's the opposite maybe when he's mad I'm calm and maybe that's a natural thing but um, yeah so I do hope, I'm not going to say what I hope, I think that's working. <laughs> and so thank you for listening and thank you for your comments and the encouragement. I think um, we like hearing from you 
We like hearing what you're concerned about, what you might be struggling with, and we like to hear the wins, what's working. Um, I, I did, I had some downtime this week. It was spring break, and um, I downloaded some eBooks, just things that that are from different counselors, different suicide prevention, relationship type things, and. Um, Sometimes it's hard for me to learn in that textbook method. Like like the the person who's writing that ebook or that article, obviously an expert. But um I there's something about this real life experience that really helps you and helps me to put it into practice in real life and not just have it be, you know, an article that you read. So, I hope that you're finding that I don't hope. Well, I do. Can I say I hope that? Oh, okay, sorry. I, I, I just I said that one time. So what Heidi's referring to, every time she says the word hope, she looks at me like, am I allowed to say it? Because I gave her a hard time because she's like, what I really hope this podcast will be. I'm like, it's already that. So I would just make a comment. You can say hope as much as you like. All right. I just like to remind people that hope as necessary as it is, it's never been an efficient strategy of any sorts. It's not a good <laughs> business plan. It's not a good investment. All right. All it's, right. Uh, it's good to kind of get the engine going, but then you have to, you know, put the rubber to the road, you know? <laughs> so I do have something that I've brought back um, today that I want to talk about. And it's, it's a heavy topic. Um, and I think it's, it's definitely something that it's come from a couple different conversations that I've had, but it also is a question that I, I can't answer. And, um, I was, and I've never asked this question. So, um, up until this point on the podcast and, and I do, I always encourage people to listen kind of from the beginning. Um, just because there's some stuff that we talk about that I think is nice foundational stuff. And they'll get the inside jokes a little bit better. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to be part of the club, you got to... I do have a lot of people saying, jokes. I like like the fight better than Parent Trap, so... Well, there you go. That <laughs> so, was your brainchild. <laughs> no. I know you're getting all the texts that say, I hate like the fight. It should have been Parent Trap. No, I, no, one's commented, <laughs> no one's commented on the name at all. I think people are just... Uh, intrigued by what are some of the things that are coming out of our mouth and uh you know thanks for for listening given uh some of the things i say a chance to like soak in and marinate for a little bit because some of them i don't know some of them may come easy and some of it may just go, i don't know about this guy it's i don't true. know what he's saying and you got to go practice it and throw it up against the wall and see if it sticks but so far getting a lot of feedback from people saying you know what that actually freaking worked <laughs> so Here's the question. I kind of take a deep breath because, um, you know, two years before Corey passed away, he was diagnosed by actually three different professionals. This is before I met David. This is when Corey was um, 14. And um, he was diagnosed with anxiety and depression. And so the three different, you know, we started out with a pediatrician. We went, we tried a different doctor. We tried, so we went to a total of three people and um, all three of them kind of gave, you know, gave Corey like a, 
um, questionnaire and talked to him and evaluated him and all three times, and this was maybe in the span of six months, um, came out, had that moment that, that they talked to the mom and says, you know, your kid is struggling on a scale of 10, eight and a half to nine um, and both anxiety and depression is very, very high levels. And, and to be honest with you, I was like, he, well, today he is. Yeah. You know, yeah, he, if you he got in trouble. Questions on a piece of paper. He got yeah. in trouble because, you know, we got bad grades again or this or that. And so, yeah, he's, I can see why, you know. And so here's the problem is that I, I, I'm not depressed. I don't understand what depression is. And so what I wanted to do, number one, is I wanted to have you, and I'm going to read something that I read on Twitter. Um, you know, what is depression? And, and then I want you to, to talk like, even though most of like the, po- the fight podcast and, and what we want it to be is for everybody, for every relationship, important relationship in your, in, in your life, not important relationships. But when you're dealing with somebody that has depression, do these same things work? Are there different things that you should know? And for somebody like me that doesn't have depression, I, I just, I have a hard time understanding it. So I read this tweet and um, it kind of was like getting punched in the gut for me because I don't know that anybody's ever helped me understand depression. And, um, and I feel like a lot of kids, including my own family, adults, kids, people struggling with depression. And so, and so, okay, so here's the tweet that, um, kind of, um, stopped me short and, um, it was a retweet and, and then ended up on Instagram or whatever, but it said, having anxiety and depression is like being scared and tired of this at the same time. It's the fear of failure, but no urge to be productive. It's wanting friends, but hating socializing. It's wanting to be alone, but not wanting to be lonely. It feels like everything at once. So it's like you're numb. I read that. And I thought, that's got to be awful. But just get up and go. Right? Like that, my response when I'm, down is that maybe I'll take a nap maybe I'll take two excedrin and a diet coke at the same time of a cookie amp up the blood sugar and caffeine level and and then get at it and face it and um but I'm not depressed and I can have sad days and I can be, feel not motivated, but I don't know. Help me and the moms that are listening with family members that are depressed, that are even diagnosed with, so you've got, you know, your diagnosed ones that, and then you've got the undiagnosed ones. Um, how are, how is depression different 
than regular stuff that you're going through? And are there special skills in addition to what we talk about that special tools that you need to pull out? I told you it was deep. <laughs> well, like, what is it like six podcasts in one? No, my, my, well, my, <laughs> he's my, given me this look and I'm like, Oh no. Cause, um, there's like three or four questions within that question. And I was just thinking like all the thousands of different, um, without like being sounding too vague. First thing I'll say is, um, depression's a real thing. Whether someone like a lot of people say, like, I don't believe that, you know, this really exists. I believe a part of it is made up in their own mind. So I'm going to go to the critics route first. Right. Okay. I mean, there's no question about the chemical changes in someone's brain being depressed, chemical depression. A lot of people hear this thing, you know, those terminologies thrown, thrown around. It's very real. It's very real. But the, the debate comes what came first, the chicken or the egg, right? There's so many things that can trigger a depressive episode. And if not properly dealt with or person doesn't have the coping mechanisms, the support system, if they get like the wrong hand dealt to them, that may go from an episode to a full blown out series mm-hmm. using the Netflix version <laughs> of a depression. Like this was not two or three. This is like, like a pilot episode. This is like, oh, this is a long 20 episode series. And then it turns out they're, they're 10 seasons deep. Right. right? It's been going on for a really long time. Now, in those situations, it's easy to to want to identify like what's the what's the origin, what's the cause of it. Well, let's start knocking down some of the, the many variations. Um, there's a you know there's history, there's family history. If you you know have uh, a lot of people in your family tree that have struggled with anxiety and depression. Then yeah, I mean that you know it's it's been proven that there's a lot that goes into your biology. Well, then there's also tough life circumstances, and there's a lot that goes um, our way, and there's a lot of things that go against us. Um, then you have you know a lot of social circumstances. Um, there's a lot of things socially that can be challenging for someone that may cause someone to feel isolated or you know, outside of the, the group. Then there's a lot of trauma, right? There's just a lot of horrible, horrible things. Death of a loved one, abuse of all different types. Um, I mean, if, if you live in a country where, you know, there's just a lot of horrible things that happen on a day-to-day basis, some people may have a little bit more survival mechanisms uh, to be able to get through get them through those difficult times and other people may be like a deer in the headlights and like I'm stuck and I can't for some reason I just can't get out of this so because there's so many things so many different ways and variables and it's it's really hard I, I always try to help people more with their specific scenario right and because, I realize that yeah that's I, be, a big... because it's depression is kind of like saying like the opposite of depression it would be happiness Okay, well, isn't there lots of things that can make someone happy? Mm-hmm. Like on a weekend night, you know, chip cookie company, you know, a good ice cream. That's going to make me happy. But playing with my kids can make me happy too. So just as many variables can lead to happiness or this, it's probably just as many can lead to sadness or depression. So if, if we we're to take probably what most of our listeners are, are going through um, let's say um, family relationships, struggle with 
um, spousal relationships, uh, immediate family, family of origin, um, relationships with, uh, you know, your kids, teachers, you know, the, the, the types of things that are normal day-to-day struggles. Sometimes those can seem like they're making us depressed, but more often than not, those are things that are going to add just another weight to whatever we were already depressed with to begin with. I, I, I've been thinking a lot and this is, this has come out, um, in the other podcasts I was doing and a lot of conversations that we've been having when, uh, when we speak, like when we spoke on the, uh, the, um, first responder, uh, seminar that we put on past couple of years, I've been convinced more and more of what I'm about to say. And, you know, I'm actually going to read it because someone said this recently on a podcast I was listening to. And I was like, okay, they put it in just a way that I've been talking about it, but I like when other people say something, one, because it makes me feel like, ah, I'm right. You know, they agree with me, (laughs) but also two, I just, just sometimes, you know, when you listen to a song and that song really touches your heart and express some deep emotion that you couldn't find the right words to. And you point to that song, you're like, yeah, that's what I was trying to say to my spouse or to my kids. Like I'm hurting or they're hurting me. So I'm going to read this, this quote, and then I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit. So I'm in a round long about way going to answer your question or address the whole depression thing. Um, so this guy in this podcast, and I think I mentioned one of our other podcasts, uh, his name is Jocko Wilnick. Um, he was on a podcast and this guy's a Navy SEAL commander, um, you know, wrote a book that I read not too long ago. Um, and he's just really been through a lot of life-threatening scenarios and situations but it was his job to make sure that he kept people alive in those life-threatening scenarios and situations going from a Navy SEAL and then becoming the person who's commanding, you know, a, a large group of military. Well, here's what he said. And he was actually talking about depression with another podcaster. And he said, uh, our minds have an expectation for difficulty. If we don't uncover purposeful difficulty, or if we don't get challenged the way our biology was set up to be challenged, then we struggle and it causes mental and emotional, it causes more mental and emotional difficulties. So this is what I've been kind of piecing together through all the social psychology and all the stuff that I've been really immersed in and working with suicide prevention and working with teens and just seeing like all the different dots out there that I'm trying to connect. What it seems pretty obvious to me is that the world we live in right now, the life that we live, just a regular parent listening to this is listening to this through an alien device that you're holding in your hand that you click two buttons and you're listening to some, you know, some mom and some therapist talk about really deep stuff. And you start to have a relationship with our information simply because we have this technological capability. So as great as a resource as that is, this is so new to human evolution. It's so new that I don't think we could possibly evolve this quickly. So what he says is um, our minds have an expectation for difficulty. I think if we look at historically and biologically the way we are hardwired to survive, why would our minds not have an expectation for difficulty? Because to survive and to live and to procreate and have those kids survive, live and procreate and pass on knowledge and information, that's really difficult. That's really hard. And the next part he says, if you don't uncover purposeful difficulty, and you've heard me say this a bunch of times, like 
teenagers and young people, our biggest struggles, we don't have enough purposeful struggle. Like we're not doing struggles that actually have a return on that investment. Then what happens is if we don't uncover that and, and get to that point, then our biology isn't really satisfied. It's like our brain sitting there saying, yeah, you're telling me this problem is difficult, but the brain doesn't register you not getting people liking your post as being a real difficult problem. But now imagine if people didn't like your post and no one's ever really liked you. And you've had parents that never really made you feel like you were good enough. Or you had boyfriend and girlfriends throughout your lifetime that shut you down and made you feel less than and insecure. Now you come across one of these new age struggles and this could be a huge problem for you because you're feeling that this is a major struggle, but your brain is saying, this is not the struggle that we've been hardwired for for the past 100,000 years or however long our brains have been at this. So when I hear depression right now and I see people talking about all the different variations of depression they may individually be thinking, like be struggling with. And by the way, depression comes in all different shapes and sizes. I always like to use the hot sauce mentality because I like Mexican food. There's mild depression, there's medium, you know, there's like, ah, oh, it's a little spicy, but it's not hot. And then you're all, oh, then there's some hot stuff. And then it's like, oh, this is like really hot. And then it's like, oh no, this is ghost pepper hot. Well, a lot of people can say, hey, I've struggled with depression. And in the same breath can say, and I've never felt suicidal. I've never wanted to die. It's not required that if you're depressed, you're going to feel suicidal. Some people can say, hey, I've struggled with depression my whole entire life. And so therefore I haven't gone to work in years. And other people in the same breath can say, hey, I've struggled with depression my whole entire life and I work 18 hours a day. So I don't have to think about my depression. I don't have time to be depressed. So when I take in what we've been evolving as human beings that we're like, hey, you need food, water, that's a struggle. We need warmth, that's a struggle. We need shelter, that's a struggle. We need to work together in our social groups to make sure that we have enough of all of our resources that we can get get along and get through the winter to get through this and get through this difficult time. Those are all valid struggles that I think our brain was made for. The struggles that we're living with in a day-to-day -day basis, one, I think we have too many, and they fly in a different space where our brain doesn't know where to categorize these struggles. Our brain's like, how the hell am I supposed to know if this text is a struggle or if they were too lazy to actually respond with like multiple sentences? But if this is a relationship that you're fearful of losing, now your brain is, it's amped up. It's starting going to all the different diverse ways that that text could have meant despair or hurt and pain for you. But in reality, we have no freaking clue. There's no filter in our brain to know if that's real or not. And so we call people, we text people, we Google stuff. Hey Siri, does, does this mean what I thought it meant? I had a big bloat between a girl that came into my office uh, on Friday, her sister-in-law and her got into it. And I said, well, tell me what had happened. And by the way, this girl struggles really bad with depression and anxiety. Her sister-in-law, really bad with depression and anxiety. They've wanted to be close to be friends, but they just haven't really connected because they both have their own insecurities. Well, the girl came and told me what she had said to her sister-in-law. And I said, what do you think that that means? It was a phrase. And she goes, well, I think it means this. I'm like, we Googled it. I showed it to her. She's like, oh, no wonder she got mad at me. I just insulted her. I'm like, yeah. She's like, I never insult anyone. I'm scared. And so she started getting really panicked. I go, here's what we do. Pull out your cell phone, 
and text this these statements. Boom, 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 boom. We, we created it in like 10 minutes, filtered it down, got to a pure version of it, press send. Before we were done in that counseling session, her sister-in-law texted her back, said, thank you. You know, I was pretty upset with you. I couldn't believe that you did that to me because I thought of anyone, you realized what I was struggling with because you struggled with depression and anxiety too. And so I was really hurt. And little did she know her sister-in-law didn't go to work the next day, was crying, like full-blown having major panic attacks because of that small conversation. Where, where does our brain know how to deal with that information? Did you learn that in school, Heidi? I didn't learn that in school. How are we supposed to decipher all these riddles? So what's happening is I think we used to have a lot of social struggles, a lot of struggles, but they weren't stringed together all so fast and they weren't coming at us from so many diverse places. So our brain is not only doesn't know where to put these things, it's having too many of them. So you start to work on one and then another one comes. It's like you start to like focus on a really important text and then you get all these other notifications. That's our life. Notifications, notifications, notifications. It's like we're getting so many notifications of there's danger and there's stress and worry that we can't possibly get through them fast enough and learn from the last one because we had too many that came through the pipeline within 10 minutes. So now that put that into the context of people still were raised with um, bad families, people still been traumatized, people still been raped, molested, abused, divorced, people still have all these real major struggles, but now they got a hundred of these little, like, uh, um, what are they called? Uh, the, the little uh, micro struggles. Like these little like microbots, like attacking them left and right. And I say microbots because it's digital, right? We're, we're living in that world on top of the real struggle that we've always had to deal with. So now how does this go back to the depression thing? Well, it, it's, pretty, it's, pretty, uh, it's pretty relevant to me right now because in the years I've been counseling people, I've seen pretty much every type of depression, every mild, medium, hot. And so I have to be really careful not to respond to someone's situation that it's flaming ghost pepper hot depression when they're having a really bad day. But then again, I got to be careful not to respond to it like it's a mild depression when it's really a ghost pepper depression, when it's really hot. I can't be like, oh, they'll be fine. They're just having a bad day and minimize it. How do I as a counselor, as a therapist, how do I know how to filter through all the different variations of Well, how do you know if depression? you can't, if you don't know, how is a mom supposed to know? That What a mess. So I was posing the question. <laughs> <laughs> and so here's what I found out. I have to understand people better. I have to know how people got to the place where they're at. And I have to be aware of what's going on in our society, what's going on in our family groups, what's going on in real time in our lives that every single one of us are challenged with. When I ask a young person, oh, what, what social media are you most active on? If they tell me the top two social medias that they're active on, I can guarantee really quickly a certain amount of stress from those social media on a day-to-day -day basis. I know it comes with that because enough people have reported that to me. So as parents, if we're educating ourselves what our teenagers are going through, what are the people in our immediate lives are going through, then what we start to see is we start to see their life from their perspective. So if I can see a life that my client's living because I put myself in their shoes, and then I really educate myself and try to stay up to date on 
what do we know about human beings? So for example, we know that no one likes to be alone. Introverted people don't mean doesn't mean that they don't want to procreate and make love and be married and be happy. It just means that they may prefer less people than a large amount of people. At a time. At a time, yeah. So if we understand people around us better, I think that's going to be our secret success to understand how to deal with a new age depression. Because I think depression is what it's always been and how it makes people feel. But I think how we're getting there, and I think the diverse ways people are having to deal with it, I think we're in a new game now. I think I've, we I've, cannot yeah. be passive. We can't just sit around and say, my kid, they just need to respect me because I'm the adult, and that's the way it has to, be, has to be dealt with. A lot of us, myself included, have been lazy parents. We get all worked up, and then we go, there's nothing we can do about it. And then we just dismiss it. And the next time the issue comes back up again, we want to we take on the world and we're going to like fix this time. But like we said in our other podcasts, the more you blow up, the less likely you're going to follow up. So if we want to attack depression, we can't attack it as individuals. We can't attack it as looking at from the diagnosis of it. Because, yeah, I, I can pull, I don't have to pull up, you know, WebMD to tell you what the diet, what the characteristics of it are. But that's not the solution. The solution is we have to be educated on human beings better than we've ever been before. Because the only way we're going to, from my perspective, the only way we're going to navigate through this digital world and still have real life meaningful relationships is we're going to have to know what is meaningful to our relationships. We're going to have to know what is important to our teenager. We can't dismiss that. Because if we dismiss it, now we can't learn from their struggle. How can you help someone with something that you can't even relate to? impossible. So in, in summarizing all that stuff right now, I look at the world as a very ripe place for the fastest evolution that we've ever experienced as human beings. What's it say? You only use like 10% of your brain. I forget what the percentage of it. I've always wondered like, what the hell are we doing with the rest of it? Just burning? <laughs> I'm like, I know I, I know I had a crazy past and I know I ruined some brain cells, but like <laughs> if I'm only using 10%, right? You had a lot to lose. You, you can... Well, and I'm not saying like some miracle is going to happen. We're going to unlock the, you know, some imaginary lid and be able to use, you know, 60% of our brain. But I think we are in need of a greater, I think we need to be propelled into a faster evolution than ever before. And I actually think it's, I think it's possible. I think it's capable. What, what scares me is the new generation being raised with only digital communication. That scares me. But you know what else scares me? Bombs, machine guns, war. Well, if I look at the new generation, they're being raised with this technolo technological advancement and they have a really hard time understanding what real relationships are. Well, in that same fear, is the exact same thing that's going to cause the necessity for us to change faster. Everyone listening to this podcast is on that fast track. Everyone that's watching the society around us saying, okay, there's a lot of racism and bigotry and all these things. None of that's new. We're just exposed to it. It's right in our face now. Right. Mm -hmm. We have to quickly evolve because we may implode and we may start wars with other social groups and everyone around us before we realize that we could actually navigate through a lot of these problems if we understand human beings better.
what's important to them. They need to be happy. They need to feel connected. They need to feel necessary. They need to feel worthwhile. But that's a, that's a tough lesson to teach people when people are focused on the problem. I do not focus on the problem of depression. It's easily documented. Irritability, lack of sleep, um, irregular sleep habits, a lot of physical problems, nausea, headaches, backaches, pains, when you didn't actually work out that hard, just feeling all these aches and pains, um, social isolation, losing interest of things that you used to think were really exciting. I used to love to dance, used to love to play basketball, and now uh, I just can't really get up and do those things anymore. Um, uh, uh, you know, Self-talk, negative self-talk. One physical thing that sometimes, you know, I, I thought it was pretty obvious, but I guess to a lot of people it's not that obvious, is our memory. Our ability to remember things, retain information, to make decision, that's extremely handicapped when we're depressed. Our brain is not oh, wait, functioning. Maybe I do have depression after all. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a different podcast. You're not invited to that podcast. This is where we analyze so, you. No. I but, cannot wait. And the reason why I'm bringing up all this stuff is that it's easy to identify what the problem is. But if everyone has so many different variations of outcomes that got to that problem of depression, I see the solution is we have to understand people better so that we all collectively can get through this evolution. Because if we don't evolve, and this is not new for today, this is a, it's always been, if we don't evolve, we die. Mm -hmm. that's, just, that's just the way life is. If you don't evolve in your business, People may think, oh my gosh, Heidi used to like make the cutest stuff three years ago. Whatever right. happened to her? Oh, don't you worry. I stress about that a lot. Right? <laughs> but think about that stress is very similar in our brain to we better go out and we better create the best um, buffalo skin purses and blankets <laughs> to sell and barter with other people on the frontier because we need that money. We need those resources to survive. That's really close to what we're used to. This new social survival, it's a whole different ballpark. I don't know if depression is being increased or I think what we're, happen we're, we're having, I, I, maybe I think the better way now that I'm saying this out loud, it's almost like a filter, like a funnel. The purest form and version of the human experience is going to have to come out of these days. Because if we don't have a better human experience with all the technological advances and we let these technolo technological advances be like the death of us and destroy our ability to communicate with one another, yeah, well then technological advancements will be a horrible experience. I don't necessarily think it's going to be that. I think this is pushing us to make us better human beings. I actually am hopeful for it, but this like it's almost like this passing of the guard. Now we're going from the old school of like, we just need to like, just put away our cell phones. Well, yeah, of course we need to do that. Duh. But not enough people are, nobody's doing an ice bucket challenge to throw their cell phones in an ice bucket. <laughs> right? Those are some, if you got the 10, like you got the 10 iPhone, that's an expensive ice bucket <laughs> challenge. You could use that money to donate to a nonprofit. Where we're at right now, it's forcing us. So, but you do hear that right now. I mean, yeah. I feel like I feel like a lot of my friends and people I talk to, um, for me, qu quite honestly, social media for my business super important yeah and so and it could be the death of you on certain days yeah right <laughs> yeah it's true haters gonna hate yeah <laughs> but, but 
so so for me, I'm a little protective of social media. Like, you know, you can't, you can't blame social media for the way you feel about it or or whatever. Yeah. But even even just in this last week, several people that I know, they're like, I'm deleting all social media off my phone. I'm out. And feeling like that is the solution. The solution is to rid ourselves of this digital social sphere. And it's who's so to say hard. for that person it isn't a solution? It may be a solution. Their right. business may not depend upon it. Right, right. And and one person I read, you know, said something along the lines of, you know, I was so much happier before I had social media. And I will be the first one to confess that I look around at the vacations and the houses and the perfect families that no kid has killed themselves and think I'm less than. And I'm sure that people look at my and think that that I've got it all under control, which is a lie. But um, I think that the, the concept or the challenge that we need to evolve and and not allow ourselves to rely on that those virtual relationships and the virtual perceptions that that are existing and work harder just what we're talking about on this podcast work harder to not just get mad not do things how they've always been because actually we're being required to to evolve as, as you say we can't not or, 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 well, I, I think that's that's a big re. I guess what I'm saying now that I I said it out loud because that's the first time I've said those specific things out loud. Um, I think what's happening is that it's it's that pushback, right? Whenever there's a major shift, I mean, it's tough. There's gonna be a lot of pushback, and not necessarily pushback from other people. There's always gonna be criticism, and pushback from other people, but I think there's gonna be pushback for our for ourselves internally. Like we talked before the podcast, like you, for some reason, when I told you about the statements versus question, questions, you had this natural pushback. And oh, yeah. And when we, Huge and amounts when, of resistance. And when we talk about it with parents, you quickly transfer, okay, well, I, that mom, she has this weird look on her face when we're talking. She must be having that same hesitation that I had. Well, technically, you don't know that. And that may be the case for certain moms, but other moms just dive right in. Right? Other moms have come to you and said, wow, this really works. Like, wow, how come they picked it up so quickly? Right. right? Everybody like, how come, feels, it feels like everybody picks it up. <laughs> how come I was so <laughs> skeptical at first? But what I'm seeing is that that natural pushback, it comes internally mostly from ourselves. We don't want to change our way of life because changing our way of life requires change. And if we have to change our way of life, then we're scared. Oh my gosh, what if I got to go back to the beginning? What if I got to question my religion? What if I got to question my dress like we start to think when i say we obviously this does not pertain to anyone but sometimes this can create people to go oh my gosh now i have to reassess everything that i thought i believed in my life and this is what i think about that good because your guarantee or not guarantee your um your resolve and your belief in something can be reinfused it can be greatly benefited from testing your belief system, from testing your way of life with new skills, with new scenarios. And other times we can realize, wow, I really need to 
let go of that because that was a great thing for me to believe in or that was a great course of action for me to follow in 2000, but it's 2018 now? Well, Doesn't really suit me anymore? I think that it requires so much energy to change. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I think for, for, and for me, I, if, we, if we take something like as basic as some of the things that, we've, that you'd been teaching me and I was resistant to make those changes, I, I felt like it was so against... It, it goes against everything that I've ever been taught, shown, modeled, exposed to, to not get mad at my kid when they do something wrong. So how can I possibly believe you? It, it, you know, and so um, that, that energy, and, and that's why I have to like screw it up so many times before I actually try it. <laughs> I don't know if that's like called stubborn or what, but anyway, you know, it makes me, as you're talking about this, and I think that I was hoping that you were going to say, you know, if somebody has depression, then you say this and you do this and then they respond to what you want them to do. You know, like hoping that there was like some magical. Um, and, and I think I'm always wishing that there was some magical answer. Um, I do know that from the very, very, very early times of meeting you, you, you said that the same phrase. Um, the kryptonite to depression is connection. And if I'm hearing what you're saying, you know, yeah, there's a lot of things that will cause this extreme stress in life that, that may halt your ability to, to function in the way that you want to function. Um, but the same, uh, the same action that can be taken of actually finding out what's going on, being a real friend, being supportive, being on the same page, making positive statements, also work for somebody who has depression. It's, it doesn't, maybe it becomes a little harder. One of the things that I perceived about Corey in particular, was that he was much more sensitive to name calling. So in our family, and I honestly, like, it makes me crazy. My kids call each other names all the time. You idiot. You're so stupid. You, you know, idiot is like the main word that my boys would say and call their little sister and, you know, everybody. And I'd be like, can we just go this entire dinner and not one of you call a name? Well, you're stupid. That's a name. That's what I'm talking about. You know, like it. And when Corey called Colton the name, it bounced off. He did not. It didn't become who he was. He didn't even, it didn't even phase him. He just thought of the next name to fire back. Like, and it, he didn't like go to bed thinking, maybe I really am an idiot. Right? There's no reflection necessary. It's just trash talk. Right. But yeah. for Corey, when somebody called him a name, even in the heat of battle on the rugby field. Totally distract him. <laughs> that, that hurt him. And he went to bed thinking, maybe that person really thinks I'm stupid. You know, and, and so as I have contemplated kids 
and you can call it resiliency or you can call it what, whatever you want. The people who feel a little deeper have a little, like the words and the things that happen in, in, real, in the world around them are just kind of affecting them a little bit more. And um, slows them down maybe just a little bit more. Maybe thwarts them. Maybe they believe the crap rather than just letting it bounce off. And I really don't know how you can teach that bounce off. Um, and maybe that's another podcast. <laughs> well, can, can I jump and say yeah, something really quickly? And yeah. in, in if people listening to this didn't know this, but um, depression and anxiety specifically for youth is definitely on the rise. Suicide, most obviously, is definitely on the rise. When I see the statistics saying, hey, suicide's on the rise, depression, anxiety for youth is on the rise, I don't see that more people are attempting suicide. I don't see more people that are feeling suicidal. I don't see more people um, that are, you know, struggling with this depression, anxiety that's, that's, that they can't overcome. Here's what I see. This generation is the one that has to change the guard. They have to figure out in their lifetime how to have connection and how to be feeling close to themselves and to other people with thousands of distractions coming at them nonstop. So they have to develop their own personality just like we had to do growing up. They have to make friends. They have to do all these basic core components with an extra thousand things on top of it because of digital communication and social media. Like it's that filtering, like did, what did this mean? What did that mean? And so what I see is that if these numbers and, and depression, anxiety, and suicide are going up, then that means our education, our knowledge, and our understanding on how to have the relationships that give mental, emotional, and physical well-being on a day-to-day -day basis is not present. That is where we're stuck. Mm -hmm. I don't see that there's people running around trying to kill themselves because their life is horrible. Now granted, if someone's suicidal and they had a whole bunch of horrible things going on in their life, that's an add-on to everything I just said. Mm -hmm. Someone could want to die simply because they felt like no one liked them or they could want to die because they had a whole bunch of horrible stuff happen and no one actually does like them because they made a lot of bad choices. So what we're dealing with from a large perspective, and this is again just my opinion from what I'm seeing, is that this is, a, it's like our youth, our society is speaking to us. They're saying we don't know how to connect. We need people to show us. We need people to model it for us and we need to see how to do it now because if we don't get this connection now, this pseudo connection, these fake relationships, these expectations comparing ourselves to everyone else, it's too intense and it's too fast. We need the antidote for that really quickly. So this is what we're battling up against. We need to connect stronger than we've ever needed to connect before because there's so many ways to connect to so many small things that are distractions and not real connections. It's so not keep our, us busy. It keeps us... Yeah, it's not our fault. It's not our fault that we have these technological advancements. Human beings have always wanted to advance and push forward. This is where it's leading us to. I, what did I hear recently? But someone said like 30 years ago, they looked at 30 years in the future and they said they saw the, bet, the next biggest technological advancement was to make cars fly. 
as people, we decided somewhere down the road that that wasn't as important to us as it was for us to communicate and talk to people all around the world simultaneously, visually. Talking to someone through Skype or through FaceTime was more important for human beings than a car that could fly. And I get it, it makes sense, because we're hardwired to connect with other human beings. Flying to Europe on a car, that'd be so expensive, why don't I just FaceTime someone? Why don't I just Skype someone? Why don't I just text or message someone? So human, humans have evolved in this path. So the way I look at it, hopefully this is helpful for all you parents out there, people that are scared of these waves of technologies, the way I look at it, if we're, in, if we're evolving in this direction and we're hardwired in our brains to connect with people for survival, then we gotta figure out what this evolution means because our brains are wanting to connect. That's why we're doing it in the first place. But somewhere along the lines, we're not picking up quickly enough how to evolve to make sure that the connections are positive more so than they are to destructive. I know that's, we got deep today. We got deep because that wasn't just real. And honestly, Heidi, when you say, yeah, depression, this and that, honestly, I don't want to talk about depression because it's the problem. So like, it wasn't that I was like discounting your question. The way no. I see it, like, I don't even think like that. People can talk about depression. You want to hear about depression, go to YouTube. How's depression? Here's the things that you can do. Yoga, meditation, blah, blah, all this. All that stuff is accurate and correct. I just think if we have a bigger world perspective, put it this way. If people know why they're doing something, it usually helps people with a greater follow through to do which, it. Which I agree. I, I agree with. And, and I think that that's what I'm, ho that's what I'm hoping to come out of this podcast. <laughs> you can hope. I'm, I feel so bad. I, I, I shamed you for using the word hope. I don't, I don't hate the word hope. I just, yeah. That's what I want to have happen here, though, is that as parents, anybody who had at one point a phone that connected with the cord. <laughs> and you actually, if you wanted to hang out with your friend, you actually had to go to their house. We're kind of the, the people who still understand what a real relationship is, what real friends are and what, what like, and I, when I say real, I mean in real life. Yeah. And so to emphasize this point, whether your child has depression anxiety whether you have depression anxiety what we're trying to what we're saying here is the things that we're talking about making statements putting your phone down looking at people in the eye taking time to call someone up and say let's meet for lunch or let's go walk our dogs together or whatever it is if if you listening to this podcast will add a couple more people into your life daily weekly monthly and that might mean invite a neighbor family to come over and have dinner play games it might mean you do initiate some parental control and say i want everybody to put down their phones and we are going to play monopoly until we're screaming bloody murder at each other <laughs> and and you only pick the longest board game there is <laughs> tell them about patience man right um i think that as obtuse as this conversation is and and it's difficult as it is to to talk about and deep and whatever the answer that i'm 
that I wanted is probably simpler than I wanted, which is always the case because I like to make everything way harder, um, is to actually just do what we're talking about, which is get in closer, to, to reassure, to make friends, to be a friend. And that whether that's a parent or a spouse or whatever, that will be more motivating and calming and reassuring than anything else, right? And if, I think that if we can model that, like I've always said through this podcast and I'll continue to say, you have to show your kids. And so if you have given up calling people on the phone because you don't want to talk because texting is easier, that's what you're showing. If it's easier for you to go through a drive-thru because you don't want to actually have to have a conversation or, you know, whatever, like think about things that you can do in your life and encourage your children to do that actually requires human contact outside of the phone. I don't think that saying, you know, we're not going to have phones anymore is going to take away the depression and the anxiety. I think learning how to win at it is is what's going to help us improve and and hopefully move things in the other direction. Agreed, Heidi. And I wanted to add a little side note because I recognize that sometimes, you know, when I'm talking about these things, we get off on a topic and I start saying stuff. So a little side note, I didn't want to seem to be um, insensitive to anyone who has lost someone to suicide, anyone that's struggling with really debilitating depression and anxiety. And, you know, if you're one of those people and you're listening to me going, oh yeah, it sounds all great. Well, all we need to do is connect with people, but like your Twitter uh, feed said, or was the Twitter statement said, it goes uh, like, you know, it's like, I want to make new friends, but yet I don't want to be around people, right? You know, it's that like, I'm damned if I do, damned if I don't. Um, depression easily can be minimized and can be decreased by human connection. The greater, like the more real or the more f- familiar the human connection is to your brain. So if it's face-to-face, it's very familiar. If it's over the phone, it's familiar. These are things that we've evolved to accept as like, okay, that's a real connection. Our brain gives us the neurochemicals, makes us feel happy, makes us feel good. But if we live in this digital world where our experience of life becomes the digital connection because it's safer and it's less risk-taking, it's not as threatening of rejection and failure, that's when we start to get ourselves in problems. So if you've lost them to, to suicide, if you struggle with depression, anxiety, it's not as simple as like, hey, you go connect with people and all your problems will be better. But it is as simple as, hey, go and connect with people and your depression ain't gonna get worse. You're less likely to want to take your life if you have people that you're next to that can comfort you and or relate to you at that particular moment. You're less likely to stay home and really soak in the strength and just intense weight of depression if you start out on Monday getting outside the house because you know if you don't get outside the house on Monday, it gains momentum in the opposite direction. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday could be a lot less productive. But if you get out of the house Monday, is Tuesday and Wednesday still going to be a struggle for you because you have depression? Yeah, but the probability is you'll do more on Tuesday and Wednesday if you did something on Monday. And this is not like, you don't have to be a psychologist or therapist to know that. I used to believe that, you know, the whole digital thing was a big challenge. Like if I looked on social media too long, 
that it was going to be really problematic for me because I felt like I was wasting a lot of time. Well, that was true when I first started on Facebook in 08 and 09 because I felt like responding to all the messages was like a part-time job. Like I didn't want to hurt people's feelings and I'm like running around. I'm like, next thing I know, I get lost in that sauce. I'm on Facebook, you know, <laughs> like just, just completely three hours into it. Oh, it's dark outside now. Right. <laughs> what I realize now is that I will use certain social media to access certain information that's educational for me a certain amount of the day. And then I'll also use certain social media access information that's entertainment for me for a certain amount of the day. I've had to figure out what works with me in a balance of education and entertainment. Education meaning like podcasts, uh, audio books, um, following someone that I really am really interested in what the type of work they're doing. It could be a researcher that does you know, some type of psychological research and following them. So that's more educational for me. But then I'll be like, hey, you know what? I haven't done much entertainment on social media today. And so then I'll start scrolling through just on some fun feeds. As long as I'm conscious and aware, for the, this is just an example for me. As long as I'm conscious and aware that a balance is necessary and I've kind of seen what it's like to have too much unhealthy social media, just like vegging out. And then I have the benefits of good social media. Like Brandon, our producer, he and I follow this guy that I talked about earlier, Jocko Willink, right? Every morning, the guy posts a picture of his watch at like 4.30 in the morning and him working out. The guy's retired Navy SEAL, 4.30 in the morning. And his mantra is like, if you don't wake up on the very first alarm, the first time your alarm goes off, you've already lost the day. I grew up thinking, oh, it's a joke. Like, like how many times it takes? Like, how long could I stay in bed until I had to go to class? Then he talks about getting a good workout in before I even start the day. I would have never come across this guy if it wasn't social media. I would have never read his books. I would have never like considered me saying, I go, this might be crazy enough. It seems so simple. I'll try it. Oh, it's not, that's not simple for me. Just so you know. No, it seems simple in the concept of like, <laughs> yeah, no, it's not simple to do. <laughs> but guess what? The days of the week that I wake up on the first alarm, it does do something. And then now I'm getting to the point, if I don't exercise before I start my mental, emotional journey throughout the day, I feel a significant difference. My whole entire life, I was like, how can I put things off to the last minute? And now I'm like, how do I get ahead of things? So I learned this and I'm inspired by this guy scrolling on social media. I, I don't know what it is for everybody else, but I think this is that self-governing where we have to figure out, it's like an experiment. How much social media is healthy for me in this type of social media for entertainment versus how much can be beneficial for me for my own personal development? So ask yourself that, you know, try to monitor yourself. I know some people actually on their phones and there's some apps that you can actually monitor how long you're on each social media. I just encourage people don't monitor yourself in the sense of like, hey, like I'm only going to allow myself to be on an hour this day and then that's it. I'd say monitor yourself basically on how you feel and then go look at your social media like, damn, I feel like crap today. I was on social media for three hours. Maybe that has something to do with it. You know what I mean? Like do it like an experiment. You're like just throwing it up against and see what works out for you. Um, and you know, the, the physical part, the, the stuff that we realize as human beings throughout life, life was hard because we had to do a lot of hard work. If you're a person and your job does not require a lot of physical exertion, then you're gonna have to implement some physical insertion inside your life. Otherwise, your brain is gonna think everything that is a problem you need to freak out about. When you're tired after a really hard workout, guess what? Sometimes you don't have time or energy to freak out about crap. 
because you're just too exhausted to physically. So your brain has to categorize, okay, this is like not a DEFCOM 5 level priority. This is a minor one you can get to later. These two up front, you may need to deal with this today. The next ones deal throughout sometime throughout the week. We have to start compartmentalizing. Like I said, if we're having a thousand things thrown at us on a day-to-day -day basis, we're trying to filter which ones are like priority and which ones aren't priority, but we keep on getting more as we come, we got to figure out how to, how to put that in a linear order. We got to figure out what works for us. And so I just figure with depression, anxiety, since we're on that topic, what works for me and works, works for someone else may not be the exact same, but it's going to be you connecting with something that's tough, that's hard, and that when you go do and have entertaining things and just goof off on your smartphone doing dumb things, you don't feel that like loss of connection because you've already got that throughout the day. Hopefully this makes sense. Maybe if you're listening to this, you're like, I'm not really on social media. Okay, well then maybe if you're, it's not social media. Maybe if you're, it's your TV. Maybe your relationships are with characters in a series and when the series is over, you go through depression because like, oh, now what am I going to do with my life? <laughs> now that it ended, or for me with Lost, you know how much hours of my life I wasted watching that TV show? Lost. I know, and then they it got, got so me. confusing. And it was the worst ending in the world. I'm like, damn it. And like, <laughs> like you robbed me of like how many hours of my life. I learned a very valuable lesson. I am very pulled in to those stories that don't end. It's a movie that didn't end every single hour. Oh, just one more episode. Four o'clock right. in the morning. I know. Netflix has mastered that. Okay? Netflix is not evil for sucking us in. We have to learn to evolve so that we don't get sucked in every single time. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate those thoughts. I think those are things that are top of mind for me. Um, and then remembering that me and my teenagers are going through this learning about this digital age at the same time. I don't, you know, all I have is maybe like little further developed frontal cortex and we can't even be sure of that yeah there's there's not <laughs> the results haven't come back from the lab yet um and so i think that as we do that we can share our experiments and our experiences with our kids and then challenge them invite them encourage them to also participate that ask them how they feel ask them to pay attention and um and embark on those experiences experiments maybe a little bit together so anyway I know that was super deep and I think I think that's given me a lot of food for thought um it was just conversation we're, we're not sitting here trying to say here's what you do this is what happens like we're just talking about this because sometimes the best information comes just out of just the connection the conversation or or you know <laughs> one of my many sayings that I don't know if, if you'd call this one you know a, a nugget per se but you know Connection creates innovation. When two people or three people, four people are just, just freestyling, they're just talking about a subject. And as long as everybody's pretty objective and they don't have like, no, I have to be right or this has to make sense. As long as we can just have some back and forth dialogue and conversation or as people are listening to this podcast, it's going to spark a couple light bulbs. Sure. And we don't know what those light bulbs are for you, but whatever those light bulbs are, try to act on it. Because especially with depression, you don't know until you go. I battle with people's depression every single day. So many people will come to me and say, I want to do this, but I can't do it for all these reasons. And I give them some suggestions and they poke holes in it and they shut it down. I said, well, the only thing we know is that you don't know until you go for it. You don't know if you'll get the job. Well, my friend said it was a horrible company to work for. You never worked there. Like I can debate with people with their depression all day long because all I'm talking to is I'm just talking to the invisible barrier. Right. 
I'm not talking to reality. The reality of it is, yeah, you're scared that you're not going to do good in the job interview. Well, and at the same time, the more job interviews you have, the less scared you be. Like everybody knows that. But yeah, for some reason, we get so hesitant that we feel like we can't go for it. But you don't know unless you go. Well, I think that what I like the best about this, and, and I'm always thinking about, okay, what am I, what am I going to name this podcast? I wonder if it's, some, it's something about evolution, this deciding or choosing to evolve, deciding that right now there, there's some real room for growth and we can take that on and we can make that happen. And as we model that, that will help our kids evolve as well. Well, and, and if you think about it, because um, well, you could call it pun intended, you know, if you don't evolve, you die. No, no pressure. But think about it. How many people that are struggling with depression, anxiety can honestly say, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not evolving. Well, if they're not evolving and they're not going anywhere, guess what they're feeling? They're dying. Mm -hmm. Because you devolve, right? I mean, is that, is devolve a word? Well, if you don't use your muscles, they don't get bigger and stronger. (laughs) They get weaker and softer. Uh And so you go backwards because there's no such thing as, staying in one place there's not you either go forward or back you cannot stay so that whole entire saying if, if you don't evolve you die it's 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 pretty literal I mean, it's that's, too harsh for the name of the podcast uh, well but it's funny which is why i have to be the one in charge <laughs> hey, this is called the light the fight not light the <laughs> tickle fight or light the pillow like the party <laughs> yeah oh man anyway. i'm sure you'll come up with a great name of it but it just made me think about that because it's true. I mean, if we're just stuck, and I know from my own personal experience and times where I wasn't involved and I wasn't doing anything, I was just staring at my diploma, hoping it'll make me money. Those days, uh, yeah, I was not evolving, and those were some of my darkest down days. Breakup of a relationship or potential breakup of a relationship. You feel like your goal was to evolve in that relationship, and it stopped, and it took a U-turn. Now you're not evolving. You feel a death of sorts inside. Well, and... I even think for like my business, um, I've been doing my business now for 18 years and the difference between me and some of the people that I started out with or the people that came along is that lack of evolving. And, you know, I Imagine you out, said, I don't like Instagram. I'll never do Instagram no matter what, but I'm yeah, going to make these best products. News. Wouldn't be good for your business. I mean, I have had to learn like new skills in Photoshop. I've had to, um, you know, I started out as a scrapbooker and that's what I like the most. But pretty soon I was like making marquee letters. And if I wouldn't have, then I wouldn't have been able to stay in the game. And so sometimes, that's the other thing that I like what you said. Sometimes you have to let go of what you always believed and allow that evolution process, invite it. And um, because you don't really know where it's going to take you. And I can't say, I mean, people love to say this to me, Heidi, what's the next big thing? I hate it when people say that because then I get all, I don't know, crap. I don't know. People expect that. I don't know. I don't know. No, you got to um, just look at them and be like, it's a secret. <laughs> Such well, see, a secret. I'm, I'm like, not a, I don't even know. I'm not yet. a therapist. So I don't know the psychological <laughs> games to play with people. I just freak out. Um, but I don't know the next big thing until... I'm working and, and thinking and looking, and then boom, there it is. 
I have no idea what it's going to be. What I'm people, I I also hate when the buyers like, what are your, what's your roadmap for 2020? I'm like, oh, I I just got to get to the. I just got to get to the end of April. I got to get through my deadline for next week, you know? And so I don't think you also have to plan your evolution. Your evolution happens in every every step. One day at a time, one decision at a time. Well, I, I think, I mean, if you look what evolution is, I mean, it's it's to survive. Right. And so instead of planning, you're really just pivoting because there's no way you would know what's going to happen five years from now. Okay, 10 years ago, did you predict Instagram? No way. No way. Could you imagine that this social media thing would be that big a part of your life 10 years ago? If someone would have showed it to you and said, this is how much time you spent, you're like, why am I doing that? Like, what's the point of it? Well, and then I wonder, like, what was I doing back then? Yeah, right? <laughs> what was I doing with all that? Yeah, I was getting a lot more scrapbooking done, I think. <laughs> well, a lot of people nowadays, you know, in a few years, are going to be like, man, remember when people used to go grocery shopping? <sighs> Remember when that was a thing where you used to actually have to go and like drive over there and like waste gas? Like, yeah, like now we just order it and someone drops it off at your house, right? I know. I know. Next big thing. I guess By the it's way, already happening. Grocery shopping is like my my family time with my family. That that's like our thing. We like just go strolling through the aisles. Daughter likes to pick stuff and put it in the cart without us knowing. I like to Son will open up candy with his teeth, now we have to buy it. Like I like to go after midnight. Oh, yeah. Nobody's there. It's awesome. It's not because I'm antisocial. It's just because I don't like to have to talk to people while I'm trying to think of what the crap I'm going to make. Because I can't talk and think about food. It's really hard for me. Food is an issue. Well, if I ever struggle <laughs> with clients, I'd, I'd go to Walmart after midnight and just start passing out my card. But and... <laughs> boom. Hey, I do like to go to Walmart after midnight. Maybe not for shopping. Maybe just for people watching. <laughs> But, All right, uh, we better wrap this up. Yeah, once we start talking late night Walmart runs. We better, we got to go. Anyway, you guys, thank you for listening. Um, this this podcast, as with many podcasts, go a little different than what I thought. But I certainly have a lot to think about. And um, I hope you do too. <laughs> so that's it for Light the Fight. Well, thanks you guys for giving us your time and attention for um, following Light the Fight. Uh, podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and uh, also if you have any questions, hit us up on the DM, uh, private DM, Heidi or myself, or you can send a message uh, through an email on lightthefightpodcasting.com and we'd be happy to get your questions. And It's Elevate. You got to go to elevatepodcasting.com. Did I just say lightthefightpodcasting.com? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have that landing page soon, but it's <laughs> elevatepodcasting.com. Dot com. Thank you for the correction on that. And there's ID. an email there. You can yeah, email. And, and just email us there. And um, we, we we love the questions. Um, and if we can't get back to them individually, we'll try to uh, do an episode on them. So thanks, you guys. And until next time. Peace.